welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, the podcast where we review and discuss movies, TV shows, video games, and anything else pop culture. Today, we'll be discussing our thoughts on the second half of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series on Disney+. My name is Ivan, and joining me today, once again, is esteemed Behind the Fourth Wall veteran guest, my co-host for a third time here, <laughs> Dr. Ben. Yeah, it's great to be once again back. Um, keep getting surprised by that phone call. You know, you think you're... Uh... <laughs> I think it's one of those spam calls, and then here we are again. <laughs> I'm not the Nigerian prince that promised you a fortune, unfortunately. I I keep picking up thinking, this is finally my day. I've been waiting. I hear of all these other great stories of other people getting that opportunity, but, you know, maybe yeah. next time. It's just, it's just this call instead. One of for... these days. <laughs> Look, I'm still waiting for my email back from the AOL days, okay? I sent that guy a Walmart <laughs> gift card, so... <laughs> well, I guess, you know, if I'm not getting a billion dollars, I might as well talk about my mediocre pop culture thoughts. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, shout out to Emmett, who I guess at this point has crossed several thresholds that I'm very unaware of and has accomplished something that I could not imagine uh, doing myself. So uh, wherever Emmett and his bike are, are, they're probably listening to this very, very closely. So. Hey, man, yeah. how's it going? Hope you're doing well. Hope you haven't gotten poison ivy, uh, <laughs> rashes, or anything of that nature. So it, it is incredible, like, what he's, how far he's gotten. As much as I like to give him a hard time, it's kind of crazy. Like, I remember having a discussion with him, like, a couple days before he left. And I was like, do you really think you're going to make it? And he was like, if I make it seven days, I think I can make it. And uh, here we are, months later. He's about to come back on the pod. Some enlightened thoughts, I'm sure, or just the same stuff. <laughs> well, I, I'm proud of the guy. He's given me some really cool water water cooler conversations now, because now I can be one of those people that's like, well, I have a friend that underwent <laughs> this thing that, you know, he's the like, hero we deserve, saving yeah. water coolers everywhere. <laughs> If if we were monitoring this like the hero's journey, he would like be returning home with the elixir right about now. I think that's how it goes. I don't really remember the book. I, I read it once and then I just completely abandoned the idea of Bruce Campbell and the whole hero's journey thing. <laughs> All I remember is just watching you hope Star Wars and that's the formula for it. Yeah, nice reference to the episode too. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one thing that's going to fall off when he comes back at these transitions. <laughs> I know. I'll, I'll, I'll miss these. <laughs> anyway <laughs> well let's get on to our news light year finally got a chance to check it out I, I think well i say finally but i think it uh no it debuted last week so i'm a little late to the game i thought it was pretty fresh right like when did you see it um i saw it saturday saturday yes i saw saturday so two days ago for me um yeah i, I have not seen it are you are you um were you interested in watching it just from the trailer or were you more like wait and see kind of thing? I think my interest level was probably zero. I mean, I don't want to say like that sounds harsher than I meant it, but it's, I mean, after the fourth toy story, I was pretty good with anything toy story related. They were all great movies. I just, at a certain point, I think I'm one of those fatigue types where when you keep going back to the well, I just lose interest in the story. And I know that this is a different 
enterprise but it's the same type of like thing in a similar vein what what were your thoughts on it because mine are meaningless i was excited about it just because it seemed like an interesting concept it's so basically the whole premise is it's the movie that andy from toy story would have seen that would have like inspired him enough to go out and beg his mom to get him a buzz Lightyear action figure (laughs) which toyception yeah exactly so uh i i I didn't realize it was pixar i thought like whatever the disney studio that's handling frozen i thought they did they did this movie but it was a pixar it is a pixar project it was okay like i don't think it was uh it was nothing like grand or spectacular i think having buzz voiced by uh chris evans yeah howard because that was like a big hot debate going into the movie did you feel like that was a non-issue did you like it did you dislike chris evans as buzz Um, lightyear I liked it. I thought it was a nice touch, but like I, I just don't. Uh, it just felt a little strange, you know, because like you get so used to hearing Tim Allen's voice come out of that mouth. But I guess his was a plastic mouth, and this is technically the human, quote unquote, uh, uh, version that, that of the explains character. it. <laughs> do you remember watching a show, or do you remember hearing about this? And I swear, like this is one of those like Berenstein Bears kind of thing. Whenever I ask people about this but i remember watching a cartoon called buzz lightyear of star command do you remember this at all uh no my only references isn't the second toy story don't they explore a little something like that that's that's all that's my only reference point here buena vista made a spin-off cartoon of the buzz lightyear cartoon that andy would have seen in universe (laughs) <laughs> they are meta over in yeah. Pixar, or Pixar Toy Story. They really are. <laughs> but like, I would watch Buzz Lightyear Star Command before church every Sunday <laughs> for a couple of years, and I like I was going into this movie under the impression that it would follow some of that. Um, it doesn't at all. All that work, yeah. Pre gaming church with Buzz Lightyear, put you know towards nothing. It was a good movie, though. Like, I, I do recommend people watch it whenever it gets to, onto Disney+. Plus. But I, I just don't think it was, um, I guess, like a, a big, big deal. And I guess it, it, in in that vein, it, it doesn't uh, surprise me that it looks like it didn't win the top spot at the box office when it debuted. Uh, that glory went to uh, Jurassic World uh, Dominion, which I haven't seen. One, like, last quick thing on Buzz Lightyear real quick before that nice transition he set up that i'm ruining <laughs> if you're asking about zerg and buzz yes <laughs> wasn't this the first pixar post-pandemic that was exclusively in theaters yes okay yeah. so did you think that it was worth having the theater viewing of this movie as opposed to disney plus like some of their more recent installments which are all very good by the way including in content which i love um i think honestly uh, as an AMC Stubbs member, yes. As a, um, if I were Which to take away my points. membership, <laughs> <laughs> if I were to take away my membership, no, I probably, I, I think uh, Turning Red would have been the more theater-worthy movie, I guess, to throw on there. To be totally honest, like in retrospect. Yeah, that made sense. I mean, I, I could understand like almost the. I think you usually think of like space scale, right? as being a background but when it's animation i don't think that really makes a difference so i I was kind of surprised i guess like financial reasons for releasing it in theaters but it just seemed like an odd choice to make this the one that was theaters only first before as opposed to the other two prior 
I think they were counting on brand recognition with the Toy Story element, but like yeah. it's like it's kind of like Inception-ish, like uh, to to kind of think that people would go on to to support it just because it just isn't Toy Story. And I feel like that you you were right earlier, like through the Toy Story franchise, we're connected to Buzz Lightyear the toy, you know, who's had yeah. his finality twice already. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I just don't think the interest is there. This is kind of like Solo when it was released a couple of years ago. Like, nobody asked for this movie. <laughs> you know? Nobody asked for it, and everybody's just generally okay that it exists, I think. Yeah. Which, again, like, th- it was beaten out by Jurassic World Dominion on its third week, I think. Or, or... Which, I don't know if this is where you were going to go with this, is criminal if you've seen the previous uh Jurassic World installment, in my opinion, was it the the Lost Kingdom? I lost track at Jurassic oh. World. <laughs> I mean, I don't understand. Jurassic World itself, the reboot was fine in the same way that like The Force Awakens is an interesting return of nostalgia. But nobody's asking for worlds of these movies. I think it's just, I don't know. I I, I so granted, I'm railing on this movie. I haven't seen it, so that's a brilliant move by me. Uh, but I've only heard bad things from the people that did manage to go out and see it. Yeah, same same here, to be honest. Like I I, I will watch it eventually, I feel like, because I have a niece that's Me too. super into dinosaurs. So <laughs> I'll watch it. I just probably will watch it at home. I don't think I'm going to watch it in, in the theaters. And I say this as an AMC Stubbs member, of course. <laughs> in case they're listening, you know. A nice little uh, sponsorship to be had. At this point, I've bought my way to sponsorship AMC. Come on. Yeah, my my only reference point for the Jurassic World movies, which this is spending more time than is necessary, is I treated them as a Godzilla light during, <laughs> during the recent legendary renaissance. And since I have to mention it one time per episode here, <laughs> I enjoyed Jurassic World's finality or like the big finale of the movie because it rem- was reminiscent of big finales in these kaiju movies versus, you know, going back to the well with this two more movies and delving more into the human characters in a Jurassic Park and world movie, which was the premise of the last installment. I just don't, I don't understand what we're doing here. Yeah, I don't know either. I, I hope we get more dinosaur franchises because I feel like it's kind of been the monopoly, right? Like it's just Jurassic whatever (laughs) like there's nothing else competing for it there but it's true i can't think of another one no there isn't (laughs) there there really (laughs) there literally isn't i spent some time the other night trying to figure out if there are other dinosaur (laughs) movies there aren't i my only what land before time that doesn't count (laughs) they haven't had a franchise in like decades at this point that's that's my only point that although i only have fond memories of that so yeah (laughs) touche it's a, it's a it's a tragedy. But speaking of tragedies, Ezra Miller and the Flash. <laughs> yeah, uh, that says it all, right? Well, I I saw the most recent news report of some other legal issue. I think he's dealing with, and they've paused the Flash. Is that correct? I think I've lost track of what the reason is that the Flash has been delayed for. Now there's like a list of it, but I think initially the CGI needed more work. It was supposed to come out this month and then they got pushed a year and then they got pushed another month. Then they got pushed two months more and then now it's delayed indefinitely. So we're not sure when we're getting the Flash. It it seems like a, I don't know your exact thoughts on Ezra Miller 
as the Flash. But I thought one of the things DC did right in their short-lived DCEU was the casting of almost all their characters. Some people were, I think, lukewarm on Ezra Miller as the Flash, but I, I actually liked him. So I'm, I'm a little, I mean, I'm confused about obviously what's happened. It seems like there's a lot of issues uh, outside of, you know, the movie world that are going on here. So it's hard to comment on, on those, but it seems like there's just no direction with this franchise it, anymore. You think it's dead? I think it's dead in the water at this point, just because like, I, I also enjoyed his performance. I think especially on the Zack Snyder cut of justice league, I feel like it did him justice. Yes. No pun intended. <laughs> 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 but I, I, I didn't care enough about Ezra Miller as the flash. I, I think to, to kind of like be looking forward to the, the franchise a bit at all. Um, but this is, it's been turning into, I guess, a, like a PR nightmare for Warner Brothers, right? Because, like, on one hand, and I don't want to get too into, like, the stuff that um, Ezra Miller's been up to outside of it, because I feel like there's just too much to really cover. Um, <laughs> but, you know, from allegedly kidnapping kids to, like, potentially grooming kids to, like, assaulting people uh, and then hiding from the cops and then posting um memes about it on twitter and then claiming he's in a separate universe altogether it, like there's some really bizarre stuff going on uh with with ezra miller so i feel like if even half of what's being alleged is true uh you, it's got to be difficult to be in warner brothers spot right now because if you don't release the movie it's hundreds of millions of dollars wasted yeah if you do release the movie you're giving this uh, person another payday that, you know, they're likely undeserving of. I, I hear that they're probably going to shift the release to HBO Max, which will probably be the for the best, but it still feels... It, it, I don't know. Like, I feel like because of the real-world issues, I also feel like if they were to release The Flash in the next couple months, I'd feel kind of bad about even watching it, to be honest. Yeah, it's one of those basically radioactive situations they're in now where like if if as you said like if the alleged any of the alleged incidents are are true then you have basically you by releasing it you're could be it could be construed that you're okay not that you're okay with but that you're semi promoting an individual like involved in this type of thing um and if like you said if you don't then you've just basically thrown away millions of dollars and all this time and energy and effort spent on yeah. its creation so now you're yeah you're you're in an impossible spot and on top of it all like just stepping away from the the i guess logistical issues with it that's a difficult needle to thread i mean the the Flash as like its own entity and own movie, I think would have been difficult to make good or make a good product regardless, because in a movie form, I don't know like how, I don't know. That's a separate conversation in terms of like how, how effective you can make a really fast guy as the I lead mean, character in a movie outside of the animated universe. I don't know. 
Well, the CW has been doing it for like eight years, <laughs> <laughs> and they need to stop. <laughs> too, yeah. So. yeah, I I zag on people being very excited about that show i it just never connected with me maybe it's a personal thing with me and the thing i think it's best it's best used in the incredibles version with dash where it's you know it's a a a piece of a whatever you want to call it a fantastic four of individuals or in or maybe in a collection of individuals in which it's like a skill said but that's i don't know we're getting it i don't know where i'm going with this all all this is for us to basically plead to disney that we need a live action dash um disney plus series i think it all goes back to disney that's that's (laughs) (laughs) somehow it's morphed into a you know a a difficult conversation into going back to disney but yeah I, i i agree with your main point i mean it's it seems like the whole situation is radioactive i don't know i don't know that there is a right outcome for what they're going to do with it. And it seems like it's just kind of a generally sad situation for. Yeah. I think the ship has sailed on Warner Brothers trying to do anything. I feel like the the minute that um, Ezra Miller assaulted somebody, like what was it? Almost two years ago at this point, they should have taken disciplinary action at that point. It's a little too late to, to try and, which, you know, Warner Brothers is notorious for making really bad decisions, just like another <laughs> studio <laughs> that we like to talk about on this podcast. Oh, yes. So there's some Craven updates, I guess, is where you're going. Uh, can you give us the Craven update? You're probably more. Yeah, we'll talk about Adam Webb right after because I feel like it'll tie in <laughs> the same way. But um, yeah, so apparently um, we got our first description about uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson's Craven uh, movie being uh developed by sony um i'm not sure if marvel studios has a hand in these at all i'm assuming they don't but uh yeah apparently uh they're describing the craven the hunter movie as a movie about a guy that really loves animals and is an environmentalist i i did read that uh now truthfully i do not know much about craven the character at all i'm totally uninitiated it seems a little odd to me. What, probably knowing more about him than I. What What are your thoughts on that description of the character? Well, the guy is a hunter in the comics, so he's definitely not an animal lover. <laughs> 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 Number one. Also, he's kind of a terrorist in the comics, so I don't think he's an environmentalist either. Um, so it, it it just seems like another Morbius situation here, and I, you know. <laughs> Maybe this is one of those things where, like, the train Speak is... the devil. <laughs> yeah, like, the train's already left the station, so they can't stop it, right? They already committed dollars to this, but I just don't know what the heck's going on at Sony. And I don't think I want to find out. I don't... I'm not interested in this. Um, <laughs> it just it just feels like another train wreck's coming, and... You're not interested in a hunter who's also an, a terrorist slash animal lover? No. As a moviegoer, no. As an AMC Stubbs member, yes. (laughs) Hitting my quota of movies, of course it interests me. (laughs) I'll watch it, you know. It goes back to something I think we were talking about last podcast with the challenge of making villain movies in succession as all positive characters is that all your source material are guys that are made to be the ugly side of whatever reality these superhero like comic book characters are existing in so now when you try to like you know humanize them okay you can do that and it has been done successfully but when you try to make like more and more movies out of them and you give them like i I don't know these like 
changed backstories to try to show that you know they're really kind of a good guy not a bad guy then it's just then you're you're making the same mistakes over and over and over again and and i agree with you i think the train i mean the train probably left the station before morbius but i think it went off the tracks down the hill and now they're trying to like sort through the wreckage right now and (laughs) see if they can i don't know hit hit reverse on the train it's it's a disaster there's no good analogy for this, in my opinion. I have no. I don't interest. know how any of the agents for these actors are letting them take these roles. Because if I was Aaron Taylor Johnson's agent, like I would fire myself after this, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just saw what you just saw the Jared Leto project, uh, and I mean, I guess you they're probably already in more. I don't know how far along this movie is. Are they? Are they shooting? Are they past shooting? Is it? It's shot already. Okay, it's like post production. Yeah, pretty much at this point. Oof, yeah, train train's gone. <laughs> <laughs> no e brake on that train for just rolling. I guess. No, I agree with you. I don't know. I don't know why, as a big, you know, any any list actor, you would want to go in with these movies right now. It just seems like a failed proposition before it starts. Speaking of which, though, <laughs> which you brought to my attention right before we started recording, but like so Emma let's Roberts. Talk about another one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Emma Roberts and Madam Web. Do, do you do you are you familiar with Madam Web at all? <laughs> by, no, by chance? I am. I am not at all. I am less familiar with Madam Web than I am Craven, which is saying a lot. The only reason I know about Madam Web is that 90s animated Spider-Man show. She's an elderly woman sitting on a throne made out of spider webs. And she can travel dimensions. Oh, well. Let's put millions of dollars worth of a movie in on it. Sounds like a franchise. Yeah, cast Emma Roberts, cast some other i mean we were reading through the list before the podcast i mean you have dakota johnson sydney uh, sweeney yeah i i mean it's it's the same thing you're talking about just now with big people signing on to these movies i I, you know maybe they buck the trend with this one but i don't know the only way they'll get my attention with this movie is if they hire um judy dench as madam webb then I'll pay attention to this movie and I'll be like, okay, maybe, maybe we got something. <laughs> you, you have my interest and you have my AFC Stubbs account. So I will <laughs> yes. be seeing this movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I brought, I feel like I brought it to the attention cause I feel like there's not too much other news besides like, you know, more Sony conversation, but more BS. <laughs> which uh we should let's you know speaking of morbius it's on home release now let's uh let's dive into it for a third podcast <laughs> we should do an in-depth three-hour session on morbius i feel like yeah. there's a lot of philosophy there to discuss yeah i think we just need to review it right now <laughs> um, the la- last two things we'll, we'll, we'll let's pivot back to disney because i feel so yeah. we're, we're ultimately talking about obi-wan um on the show but like there's two last bits of news i guess we can start with the sony disney stuff first but like mm-hmm. uh spider-man no way home is getting an extended cut uh coming out in september um 
So I guess this, I, I take it to mean that, you know, all of us will be going to the theater and gracing the screen again for a potentially three-hour cut this time of our what, favorite movie of last year. What uh, what or what viewing count would that be for you if you added them in? Oh, geez. Uh, hang on. Let me check out my AMC stubs. <laughs> 14. Is that real? It would be 14, yeah. Wow. That mm-hmm. is... I was going to put it at seven. I think you said it to me before, but that is an impressive number of showings. <laughs> Still doesn't beat Force Awakens. How many times did you see Force Awakens? 23. Wow! Yeah. <laughs> that is incredible i saw it four times which i now am embarrassed to say after after your 14 <laughs> um i would be interested in seeing it i don't think i would go to a theaters to see the extended cut but i'm interested yeah i think i'll rent out a whole theater especially if it's september we're hitting flu season so just to be safe i want nothing but known people there <laughs> so. what uh are there any like carrots of what we might be seeing in it or anything that you've seen or read about um a few things i mean like when when uh, no way home was coming out on blu-ray and and digital release they kept hyping up the fact that they had like three hours of no sorry was it three i think it might uh, a couple a couple hours (laughs) of uh content that they were going to release as uh deleted scenes and all that but that never came to fruition so people were like what are they doing with this footage um I don't know. I mean, they've said that we're going to have an interactions between Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man and Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been the one tease, you know, and to be honest, like, to, you know, that alone is enough for me. <laughs> I am excited about it. Uh, I mean, I, like, to, to be totally honest, I mean, it, it'll depend on what the runtime is, if I'm actually going to go see it in theaters or not. Yeah, I think my still my favorite movie theater movie this year was the batman and that was that was probably the longest i would want to sit in a theater for a movie right now is i don't remember exactly what the runtime was but it was over three hours right it was close to three i think it was like close two, to three. two hours 45 minutes or something like that okay yeah that's i mean i don't know if it's just getting old but I, I don't know how much longer i'd want to be in a theater watching a movie though i do think the theater viewing for these movies would do it justice i just don't know i would probably wait for the home home release of the extended cut of no way home which i would yeah. enjoy but i don't think i would go see it in theaters again personally yeah true 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 miss marvel right last little piece of news what uh yes. what are your thoughts on miss marvel I, I actually have been really, really loving this show. I'm kind of disappointed that it looks like nobody's watching it. <laughs> that would also include me. <laughs> yeah. So I, so I just wanted to plead the case real quick on, on the show, because I feel like... Try to sway it's, me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really cool coming-of-age story that's taking things slow and actually feels like a show. Coming-of-age? You lost me. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I, I I like it. So I think one of the things that I and I I, t- I talked to Emmett about it when we were talking about our you know what are we looking most forward to uh, this year. Th- this show was on on my list. Um, I don't remember where I stacked it to be honest. I, I feel like I was excited for everything equally. <laughs> <laughs> but the, so you know, having grown up in Queens. Uh, here in in New York, um, 
I had a lot of like southeastern Asian Southeast Asian friends. Um, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's like Indian friends, Pakistani friends, you know, all that. And so I, I'm I'm a little familiar with a lot of like the cultural aspects of um of the community. So to see that represented on screen to this capacity, like and in this known world, was really really cool. And the way that they they're giving it the respect that it uh, that it deserves, I thought it was a nice little highlight. And it's it's treating it the way that the comics treated the character when it when she got introduced. So hmm. it's a, it's a charming show. It's actually really really good. And it surprised me the level of good that it is. Um, I have a couple of nitpicks about it, but like I'm not gonna get into those because I feel like that's just, I want to wait till the end of it just to kind of see what my full thoughts are on the character. But this this show is kind of pulling off like almost like a similar uh, thing that like the Black Panther movie did on a bigger scale. This wow. is kind of doing okay. it on the small screen. So I I do think it's really cool. Um, I would I I hope that the numbers that we're seeing right now of viewership go up as like positive because it's, it's been receiving a lot of positive word of mouth so i think those numbers are probably going to go up but it, it's it, it definitely has been has taken me by surprise because a lot of the people that like have not really liked any of the marvel shows that have come out folks that i've been speaking to they're like i was actually kind of taken aback by how how good the show is so yeah it, it's good that's good I, I i've been enjoying it i've been surprised at how much i've been enjoying it um to be I didn't really know what to what to kind of expect because Marvel's been, especially with their shows, it'll hit like there's gems in there, but for the most part, there's a little bit too much filler, I guess, on some of these. Yeah, I think I think that's a good characterization of. I think I've already espoused my my fatigue feelings with you and Emmett both on the on and off this podcast. I think. That's more or less was my reticence to start this show. It's not because it didn't look interesting or any of the the awesome pieces of it that you highlighted. I think it was more just, man, another MCU show. I don't think I have it in me. And most of the ones I've I have watched to date, I will admittedly say I, I did not enjoy. Now I don't know if that is because, you know, I'm a pessimist about these entertainment. <laughs> Entertainment, entertainment shows at this point seems like I'm always leaning negative unless it's these really niche, bizarre uh, movies or shows. But yeah, the, I I think it, it it makes sense that this would be a good one based on like the the points you illustrated about representation and some of the bigger, you know, I guess you could say like the cultural elements of the of the show, which would be neat if it is an analogous version of black panther in a streaming sense i don't you know obviously i don't i don't know having not seen it um but i think it's you know, it, it, it sounds good it sounds it sounds better than uh, my experience watching the little bit of hawkeye and little bit of uh winter soldier that i did <laughs> yeah <laughs> No, this this one took me by surprise. I feel like if if you've been fatigued with superhero stuff, I feel like this is a nice little palate cleanser. Almost. <laughs> palate cleanser. <laughs> yeah, because it do, like it doesn't try to be something too big. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it, it it knows it's a TV show. It's taking things at a nice pace. I can't say any of the episodes are slow, and yet there's not a lot of action. It's just a lot of character development. So it feels like an A twenty four movie. <laughs> to be honest with you. Okay, that's pretty high praise. Uh, I'm, 
I've definitely always been impressed by every, I don't know if every, but many of the A24 movies I've seen of late. Especially the one with the little sheep person. I don't know. If you've seen, do you know what I'm talking about? No, it's, I think it's a goat. Uh, yeah, what is that called? Um, it might be called Lamb or something like that. I ha- I I, yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen. I haven't. I know of that movie. I've not seen it. <laughs> that movie was so trippy. <laughs> Many of those movies are. I mean, it's like I, I'm thinking of uh, Midsummer. That one, the the lighthouse. I think you could get disoriented watching that movie yeah i wanted it i have not seen the northman i would like to see that movie but is that a24 i think it is okay it it i feel like it it optically it like looks like a24 aesthetically i should say from the trailers but uh i I haven't seen it yet i've heard it's great let's get into kenobi because i feel like um the meat we've earned our way yeah the the meat and potatoes or just the meat potatoes are too many carbs (laughs) Keto, keto, much yeah. like Kenobi is, as we found out in the, the last. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, okay, yes, so I've been, go ahead, go I've ahead. been dying to talk about this with you. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, get right into it. We're not, you know, I guess spoilers ahead, and for anybody who's listening who hasn't seen it, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shut up about this for, for, for now. I want to hear your thoughts because I feel like, oh, I don't know where we are with this. Whether we're we're gonna agree on this uh, on the series as a whole, but what did you think of the last half of this series, and did it live up to what you wanted it to be at the end? Because well, I feel like we were kind of in that zone where like we overall enjoyed it, but there were some elements that were worrisome. Yeah, I think I, the way we loaded up here, and we've not talked really about our feelings on this show much at all to this point. I got through this show feeling almost the same as i did after the our third episode review where the parts of the show that i that i thought were awesome the vader kenobi pieces uh even for me like the some of the the of reva's storyline i thought was pretty great the parts that were great are really really great like that that last episode and we can get into it, was the first half of the episode especially is just a blast. However, something was just missing for me at, at, I guess, at the end, where, like, I felt like I got got a lot of, like, super high highs and I got a lot of things I wanted to see again. It felt like there could have been an emotional punch from some of the other characters in this show that we didn't get. And that's kind of where I felt like I think I landed as as I often do, which I'm sure Emmett would love hearing, uh, as he like he hates on my lack of excitability on these shows. I found that this show to be like perfectly enjoyable, very watchable, some spectacular moments, and then some moments that to me were just like kind of confoundingly thin, which kind of you know gave me like a middling a middling feeling at the end where like I was, I was so hyped up for the first episode or the first half of the last episode. And then at the end I was kind of like, well, I don't, it feels like an odd place to end it. Well, that's too much about mine. What are your thoughts? I think I'm right in line with you on it. Cause I feel like there's really? a lot that I, I, there's a lot that I love about the show. Um, maybe more than I dislike, but I got to tell you, I think I landed on exactly what made me dislikes certain moments. And that's, there's some poor storytelling going on with Reva's character. And, uh, yeah, I agree. And it seems like we're almost 
Like, they just kind of... So she had really good potential. I feel like her background is really interesting. I feel like she's an interesting character, but she was not utilized all that well. She, she I think she had a ton of potential. And I kept... And I was talking about this with, a, with another friend that I work with after watching the last episode. And I was like, there was so much you could have done. I felt like they could have done with her character based on, like where they put her emotionally in this time and what she's been through and, and the people she's mirroring. And I think you had a real chance to do something pretty special and memorable with her character and potentially set up some future interest. And ultimately it just felt like they spent more time on Luke and Leia, which is in my opinion, too much time on like either talking about Luke or time with Leia where I wanted, I just wanted more time with Riva to understand like her motivations and like maybe more her character traits. It just, it, it felt like they they used they almost wanted her to be the big emotional punch at the end of the season, and instead it was a confusing, like a confusing end. I don't know. Is that where you are? It, yeah, I I was confused by so, and, and here's the thing. Like I feel like from my from my film background, <laughs> um, I think like the more I think about this from like the storytelling perspective, it's it feels to me like they wanted to build her up to something. They were getting to the point with her, and then they almost realized like, oh, we're out of episodes. Like the next episode, Vader and Obi Wan have to fight each other, so we have to get rid of her so that she exactly. can go off and do her thing. And then it just like that was so unfulfilling to me with her and. and like besides the point of her getting stabbed through the gut and somehow still being alive, um, which we <laughs> which is just everyone in in every streaming show at this point between like uh, Fennec getting shot in the gut, uh, the Grand Inquisitor getting stabbed in the gut, Reva getting stabbed in the gut. Nobody can die from a lightsaber or blaster through the stomach <laughs> in these shows apparently, except for the good guys, I guess, because like now like Nala. Nala, was that was that her name? I, oh, Tala, Tala, Tala. Tala. <laughs> no, like it's Nala, not Nala, Nala. this is Lion King. <laughs> yeah, I so that's but that's the thing. Like I, I enjoyed the concept of a youngling surviving Order sixty six and swearing revenge on Vader. I think that's really really cool. Oh, it's a great idea. But it like there's just stuff that didn't make a lot of sense. Like all the Obi Wan and Vader stuff was perfect to me. I enjoyed most of the leia and luke stuff yeah the luke stuff i feel like we got very little that i'm just like all right it, you know it was good enough the leia yeah. stuff for the most part i enjoyed but there were a couple things that where i had to be like i could have used a little bit less and then more expansion on the rest because otherwise it seems like all the inquisitor stuff was just kind of thrown in there as, as background noise but they're fascinating you you do want to learn more about them you just don't get anything that's that's the thing, and, and it, it's a good point by you where it felt like they ran out of episodes. I mean, a couple of these shows have had that feel of like perhaps you could have used you could have spent a little more time since it is like a a serialized storytelling. Like I think I I was reading somewhere or listening somewhere that somebody said like the total runtime of this show is only like three plus hours, like barely over a movie. And you, you have to wonder, like, like you said, why, you know, if you, 
I don't. I guess I don't have a problem with spending time on Luke, with Luke and Leia, and furthering Leia's epi, uh, Leia's character, like and showing like her beginnings as like basically a rebel and a leader and somebody with potential and somebody to follow. That stuff's all great, but like if you only have six episodes, you can't spend that much time and introduce this new character, Reva, who has like this big traumatic backstory, and you essentially you have her flip in the course of half of an episode where. We, even if you suspected, she both discovers that, or we both discover that she's trying to get at Vader and not work for Vader, and then immediately loses to and, you know, almost dies in the in that one episode arc where like we, you know, I just it just didn't feel earned that she did that and then immediately decides, okay, well now since I found out that this kid is important to him, I'm gonna go kill him, which. You know, she could eventually have ended at that place for me, but we just didn't get enough of her thought process and decision making and how she goes about it and how she reacts in different situations for me to be like, yes, this makes this makes sense. And I feel with her when she's deciding in the moment, should I kill Luke or should I not? You know, am I becoming I think becoming the Darth Vader thing for a youngling that watched him kill all of her friends is a great idea. But you have to give that time to breathe. And I don't think they did. Yeah, agreed. I, I feel like they, they it just. The, the other thing, too, is like this was supposed to be a movie originally. Oh, OK. Like that was the big idea behind it. But after Solo failed at the box office, they like completely shelved the idea. Mm. Um, so I feel like as a movie, there's like a solid two and a half hour, maybe three hour movie here that they could like they could have cut together well but yeah i i don't know like that th- that's the one weakness and, and i I'm, I'm bummed that that's the weakness of the show for me because i did find it very interesting in the first half i thought you know there was a lot to do that they could uh do there the stuff that i really liked though um i feel like kind of redeems the show a lot for me Mm-hmm. Uh, because overall, I like the show. I've watched each episode at least twice, which I normally don't for a lot of the stuff that we uh, th- that we watch because it's just so much to to kind of go through. But um, like, I liked all the Vader stuff. I felt like episode five was a really really cool moment, like showing just how powerful he is. Um, and yeah, the, the fact that he never even took out his saber in that fight with Reva, I thought was like <laughs> super shady. And that was a. Uh... That was a chilling that whole sequence when he stops the starship walking in like effortless, effortlessly that whole scene is just like an awesome encapsulation of what you have come to expect from this super powerful you know Sith lord I guess I guess that's what he is technically but he he lives up to the billing in that episode when Reva's just trying to get anywhere close to him in the subsequent fight and he seems completely uninterested and that this isn't even worth his time or he can just dodge and move around and not even try and and dominate that fight um that part was spectacular that was the the vader presence in these shows and honestly like Hayden Christensen's role in that I think is actually awesome in this series like people hate on him for the for episodes two and three and i think a lot of that is like maybe him not getting the best dialogue to work with but i think bring him back even in the little bit that he is here like 
a really both humanizes and brings like a monstrous quality to Vader in this this series that I really liked. Yeah, I th- that whole like the fight between him and Obi Wan I thought lived up to the hype. The dialogue I thought was the most powerful stuff that we've seen from both of them. The way that they utilize James Earl Jones' voice transitioning over to oh. Christensen's voice. That's awesome. That was such a cool moment to have basically like hear Anakin die in Obi-Wan's eyes and then hear him like accept that he's so not responsible and also that this Vader entity is is here. I don't it, it was uh, maybe I don't know if that's an accurate representation of it but that's what it felt like in that moment is that you're you're experiencing the death of a friend through sound with Obi-Wan yeah. in that moment which is cool. And I like that they have this element because I, I saw some people complain about it, but I, I thought like, especially seeing the, the the way that the fight ends with Obi-Wan just kind of walking away, people are like, why didn't he finish him off? I was like, well, he's a stickler for like the quote unquote Jedi way, but also I feel like neither of them can bring each other to kill the other. Like, I feel like there's just enough good in him left that he's kind of like not too adamant about, about killing Obi-Wan. He hates him clearly, but not enough to really dispense of him with the finality. Yeah, and I think that's a good point because I, I thought about this too because I saw the discourse about why did he walk away? Why didn't he kill him? It's the second time he has a chance to end the threat, basically. But my thought was he's almost come to... I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of the right way to say it, but basically he... He seems to no longer view Vader as the like unyielding force entity that he did in the beginning of the show, even where he's kind of broken and you you feel Obi-Wan's fear in their interactions in the early part of the season. And then towards the end, it seems like he he feels like he he knows Vader better than anybody else. And even though Anakin might be dead, he knows that like he's he's got like the he's got him in his pocket basically like he he knows that vader can't vader's consumed with him still because of their history but he also he kind of has vader checkmated in these fights now it's like he remembers why he was his master and why like his shortcomings and stuff, which I think is reflected in what he says to Leia later when he talks about Anakin's positive qualities in this glowing way. And like just in the episode prior, when we see their like flashback duel, he talks about all the negative, then those same qualities in a negative way where he's like, you know, you're too aggressive, you're rushing, you're trying, you don't have any patience. You, all the things we come to know based on, I don't know. Do you think that's right? Or do you think I'm stretching there? No, yeah, I I, th- I think that's spot on, and 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 I love that they have that little dialogue at the end too, because like within that conversation, also he tells her like, I don't I, I forget what the exact di- dialogue is, but he he basically tells her like, hey, pretend we don't know each other because it could put both of us at risk, which kind of covers <laughs> off in the first half. We talked <laughs> about like how does she not treat him like somebody she you know remembers? So it kind of covers that, and also like. Like I said, the dialogue in that last episode I thought was like stellar all throughout because you have moments like that. You have moments like um, 
when uh, Vader tells him that you know that he's not the result of Obi Wan's failure, he's he killed Anakin himself. So it kind of absolves Obi Wan of that guilt that he felt mm-hmm. in the beginning of the of the show. And you're right, like if you notice, like visually in the beginning of the series, he's not walking out with Jedi robes. His lightsaber is buried. At the end of the show, he's like flashing that lightsaber on his belt, essentially. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, like he's got his Vader can't back. take him. Yeah. Because he schools him basically in the in that fight at the end. Yeah, it and the the fun part of it it is it was like to me it like per like the fight meaning and and why I was like if you know we're gonna talk about like peak moments and that fight is just it's it's every it's all of the emotional hit of the revenge of the Sith fight with like an experience and like all the like the the angst of like that past confrontation and their past history like comes through that like that fight and and it does feel like at the end when it's clear Obi-Wan has like regained his full self and realized that he once again has you know Vader's number he he seems to come to that like realization that uh, you know I am still you know, I, I, I may, I may have been my own, my biggest enemy was me in this is that, you know, I'm using Vader and Anakin as the scapegoat, but like, you know, you kind of get, you get Obi-Wan as like the hero of the star Wars story that may be like, you know, obviously it's all, it's the Skywalker saga. It's always the Skywalker saga, but Obi-Wan's like maybe the real non-conflicted hero of the story. And this gives us like just enough doubt in this series of him like doubting what he's done and his choices. But then we, we see him reassume the mantle as like, all right, he is like the quintessential Jedi. He's, he's got the skill. He's got the thought process. He's got the force tap. He's got it all. And he's the only one that can take this, you know, force of nature, the chosen one still to school, you know, 10 years later after being out of the game. Yeah. And it kind of like solidifies his place as Luke's, eventual teacher too because it's like like yeah this is the guy, this is the one guy you do want to learn from <laughs> you know my my one like criticism i guess of the of like the the way that they took obi-wan i would have loved to have seen him take some of those inquisitors to task too because oh, i feel like yeah that fight with vader was so easy for him. like it, it seemed easy at the end once he got his strength back and he you know but i was like yeah at, at this point at the end of the series i'm glad that they show him like reconnect with Qui-Gon I'm glad that they show him like putting on those Jedi robes again because yeah like he just basically proved that he could take Vader and in essence like he should he has nothing to really fear anymore yeah um with that said season two if there is a season two I I almost don't want there to be but I I kind of see deliberately that they left the door open for that but I feel like if they do it it has to be a good enough story for me to like, you know, be okay with it. Cause I think they ended this so nicely that if they said there is nothing else left here, then fine. Cool. I, I love it. Um, but I don't know, like they keep talking about season two. This was the most watched um, Disney plus show, I guess of all time. It, it kind of sounds to me like the corporate side of Disney is going to be like, no, there's going to be a season two. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that is the challenge with I think what they did here is I think they did such a good job of I mean the show's called 
Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? So they did a great job with Obi-Wan Kenobi in the show. And I think the only thread lines that seem like open in my eyes, like watching the show, are the non-Obi-Wan and Vader elements, which, I mean, once you've had a reconfrontation between Obi-Wan and Vader, where is there to go in season two and three? Like, are you just going to keep having them? Are you going to keep manufacturing ways for them to fight again? That feels unearned and borderline emotionless, unless you'd have some incredible tapestry weaving speaking of reaving and Reva, like, <laughs> like she's kind of, she felt like the setup in this and, and why I think I'm ultimately frustrated with the back half of the episode post the Vader and Obi-Wan confrontation is like, like we talked about, she has so much potential and you basically you, you, we don't get enough of her personality to see where she is and they they leave her ambiguous which i like they you know we don't know if she's a villain we don't know if she's a hero she's kind of somewhere in between she seems she seems to have reasons for you know going through both sides of of the force or tending to both sides i mean she has plenty of emotional history but we we spent in my mind such so little time with her and her relationship with the inquisitors and like setting up real villains for her outside of the grand inquisitors like 10 seconds on screen like we we don't even know who would be a true adversary for her or like where she would want to go from here now that her life's mission is essentially somewhat failed like i you know i don't know yeah there's really there's no clear discernible path for her and and you're right. I feel like if there is a season two of Kenobi, it seems like Reva would be the focus. But in that case, it's not an Obi Wan season two. It's one. Yeah, I guess. Um, I, I, I the one thing I do have is like I would like to see some of that training with Qui Gon, but I don't like I don't think there's enough there to like justify a full season. Yeah, unless they're gonna do Clone Wars flashbacks, like that, I'd be on board with. Yeah, and I mean. I would be on board with that too. I think I think the question though is like, where, who? It's like oh, it's a matter of confrontation, right? Like at least in my mind, like who? How? How are we going to build up a threat to Kenobi that matches the threat of Vader? Again, going more. forward in multiple seasons. I mean, I guess yeah. I guess you could do a. You could go down the the mall route, though it's the only. There's one problem with that though, and that's like the ending that they gave them in Rebels, because there's like one off episode at, towards the end of Rebels where you see the final confrontation between them. But technically, if they really were adamant about doing a season two, that's the route they can go in without jeopardizing the Vader Obi Wan stuff too much or like oversaturating it, I guess. Do you do you think people care enough about Maul though to I mean I guess if you make if you write the correct like the a compelling story you can make anything you know interesting but it, it to me it would be a tough sell to go between obviously the most watched show on Disney Plus because of Obi-Wan and Vader right to now Darth Maul who is an interesting character that people know but like unless you're in the Clone Wars Rebels camp you probably and even I guess like end credit scene of Solo, we don't really have a ton of like mall live action. Like 
I don't know. Non 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 Star Wars like diehard type. Yeah. No. There's no thread to pull. There's no thread to pull yet with it. And that like I think in the perfect world, Maul would have been a perfect season one and then like, Vader was season two. That yeah, that that probably would have been and again you could I guess you could argue like, well, we wouldn't have been able to get the interest that we got. But I, I think you could have because you and McGregor as Obi-Wan, I think, is the reason that the show is the most watched. I think people yeah. personally, I mean, obviously Vader's huge, but I think people love, I think everybody's favorite part of those prequels was Ewan McGregor. I mean, he's, he makes Obi-Wan such a compelling and likable and interesting character, even amidst those sometimes meandering movies <laughs> that like, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's, I'm with you. I'm 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 excited about the positive parts of the show, though I am frustrated. One thing I you mentioned that I have to talk about is, were you what were your thoughts on the Qui Gon five second piece at the end? Were you happy with it? Were you not happy with it? I was happy we got to see him. I was expecting just the voice. I wasn't expecting to see like a full on Force ghost. Um, I would have preferred to have heard his voice during the fight maybe as like the motivator to get him out of that like rock landslide thing but like i i, I thought it was it was handled well um not the way that i would have but like again like <laughs> i'm not you know I'm, I'm not gonna like pick it apart to pieces either <laughs> i feel like it was it was good enough yeah i think they mentioned it so much i i was hoping for the rock when it when he got in the rock avalanche thing I similar to what you said, I was like, here we go. This is this is the Qui-Gon moment. It's gotta be. And then it it doesn't happen, which is which is fine. But ultimately towards the end, I was kind of like, you know what? At that point I didn't I didn't need him in there anymore. Like I, I just didn't find and I mean I guess like Star Wars is always a little campy, but I just felt it like campy and kind of like a confusing all right, come on, we got some work to do. I was like, all right, I I could have done, I could have done without it, but I guess I'm nitpicking. I don't know. I I honestly thought the perfect way to end it would have been that moment where he met Luke, like give him a little bit more dialogue, maybe like another Leia moment. But I guess because we had the Leia scene, they're like, all right, that's enough with Luke. Just give him the hello there, <laughs> yeah. meme moment. Give, give give him the hello there and move on. <laughs> <laughs> Which would kind of, I guess it kind of kind of sucks for that kid because like you barely got to see anything like any lines for for young Luke. Whereas Leia got like a, a you know a sizable, um, on screen like line delivery opportunity. Yeah, that that is a good point. I think it's, it yeah. I mean it it's I, honestly I was okay with it because I I think I'm done with. Personally, I don't I don't need much more Luke and I know we'll probably get him in installments of future Star Wars projects, but I think I'm I'm good with more Luke stuff. So I was okay with not having him as too big of a role character. I'd liked that choice, but I don't know. What, what did you think about you mentioned a little but What did you think about the Inquisitors and the Grand Inquisitor and <laughs> their usage and that thread through the series well i was relieved that the grand inquisitor survived because of his two stomachs that all star wars fans are you know as a as prerequisite we know oh of course um, i knew before you told me on the last pod yes. 
<laughs> we all read those giant encyclopedias during lunchtime instead of going to a recess. <laughs> of, of course, that's that's yes. how else would you spend your day? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was. It was. It was. It, I'm glad to see they didn't break canon uh, with him. He was probably the one that I wanted to see more of because I thought I didn't really think much of him or his performance in the, the you know the first episode. But uh, the more we got of him, the more interesting he seemed. Uh, I'm just I, I think like as 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 characters themselves, they just felt too much like background noise. But because you've seen them in other things, it's like a string you want to tug at because you're like, well, like if you're going to have them here, have them do something. Um, mm -hmm. so while I like their presence, I'm also kind of torn because it's, it, it just seems to me like that they didn't know quite what to do with them. Like, yeah, the other two, they should have killed one of them, <laughs> to be honest, like to, just to kind of keep things interesting. That, that was kind of like, so we got a decent amount of, well, I wouldn't say a decent amount, but we got more Inquisitor you know, potential politics and, and information in the first three episodes than we got. And really, from the last time we talked about the show, that's about all the more we got on the Inquisitors, other than that the Grand Inquisitor isn't dead. I agree. I think, like, his... I think I think it's Rupert Friend who's the Grand Inquisitor. Yeah. I really liked his demeanor, his voice. I mean, I, I liked that element, and I, I did want more of him. I almost thought when we were... When we were in that like fourth to fifth episode range, I kind of thought like if if it was gonna go the route it did, where like there was a threat to the children at the end and Revo was gonna be involved, I I I had like a fleeting thought that the Inquisitors were gonna get onto Luke or Leia, and then Revo would have to flip to save them in like a youngling type flashback, which is where I thought it was going. And I don't know if that is just like me hoping or wishing that into existence. But then, like, when they kind of fell off and it was more just her, like, decision to kill or not kill Luke at the end, I was kind of like, like, I don't know that we needed the Inquisitors at all. You could have just had, I mean, I guess you needed them so that she could be close to Vader and that she could have some sort of role with him. But even that felt like, you know, like... Like she, she, like Obi Wan manipulated her into wasting her shot at that. Basically, is how it felt, and it was like, man, if she spent her whole life doing yeah. this, that seems like a big missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah, no, they they were, they were what should have amounted to cannon fodder if you just didn't use cannon fodder at the end of it, right? Like that's what it felt like. Uh, it just like it, it seems to me like they maybe added too much to this than we really needed. And if they just focused on Vader and Obi-Wan, that would have been more than enough um, for me. Like, you could have even cut out a full episode and just, like, you know, cut out by cutting out the Inquisitors and just condensing it a little bit more. I feel like it would have uh, made things a little bit more uh, interesting. But ultimately, Reva was just used as a plot device to get the Leia kidnapping off the ground. Uh, but again, you could have used whatever character there. You, yeah. you could have gone one of the bounty hunters from Empire Strikes Back as the person that did it. And it would have served the same purpose. Yeah, in in similar fashion to a lot of these, a lot of these Star Wars entries in the streaming Disney Plus, I, I think what you said is a really good point. You could have either like cut an episode. In this case, I think you could have cut episode four pretty, pretty easily, and had it not generally affect the story. And 
like in similar to like Mandalorian, I think like season two, I think a season two episode two, the the journey with the frog. The frog lady? Yeah. Cut her. <laughs> like like there are moments like that where I think you could cut and it really wouldn't affect the story and it doesn't really add to like character development. Or you could expand it, keep them in, and try to wrap that into like an eight episode or a ten episode arc in this show that I think then you would have given more time and like potential stakes to some of these side characters. Cause because you're right. I mean the main two, Obi-Wan and Bader, I think you kill it here like they're they're it's not it's not all nostalgia it's not like but it plays on things that you know and it it you know plays on like emotional stakes and you feel like it's an an extenuation of this journey that you've watched in revenge of the sith but and prior but it's you know the other pieces of it i'm like i just don't it seemed like you said it seemed like they you put people in there to have to get people in places so that you can have these, these confrontations, which ultimately I guess is storytelling, but like, I think you could also have them play a larger role in the resolution than like, than we got. And like, I just would have flipped. I I personally would rather they flipped like the Vader Kenobi fight to be the very end or like right at the very end. I don't know. I'm nitpicking. That's, you know, well, I think it, it falls into a similar issue that I've had with like, not to deviate, but like with stranger things. Like okay. I don't know if you like kept up with that show, but like every season they introduce new new characters and all this, and I'm like, well, I don't really. Here's the thing, like I think with with legacy characters on Star Wars, you don't need to introduce new characters, nor should you introduce mm-hmm. new characters that are supposed to have substance, because I feel like you're almost doing them a disservice because you're putting them up against these legacy characters that are all, already have a ton of weight to them. Um, so that's why, I, like, again, like, Reba, I think, is a good character on paper, and in execution, it just seemed like they fumbled her a bit. Um, same thing here with the latest uh, season of Stranger Things. Like, they, they gotta stop. Right? There's too many characters on the same <laughs> show. <laughs> we don't need any more. And, and especially in a show like this that's so heavily reliant on legacy, when you introduce a new character, I think you have to nail that character's role in the story. And I think, like we've talked about, they they gave a lot of potential, but just ultimately, like, if you... It looks more glaring at the end if you don't add, like, a good resolution to that character, and that's ultimately what I felt with her. I think, I mean, is there any other, like, big pieces or thoughts that you had issues with? Like, what do you think of the continuity aspect of all this? Does it bother you where we left things? I saw people bothered that... um... Like, oh, Luke sh- should have not seen that lightsaber because the first time he sees a lightsaber is a new hope. I feel like that's kind of semantics. You get what I mean? Like, like nowhere in a new hope does it say this is the first time he's seeing a lightsaber. He just hands it to him. And then Luke is like, oh, what's this? He's like, oh, it's your father's lightsaber. He doesn't say what's a lightsaber. You know, like, <laughs> this, I, I feel like if we try to stick to continuity too much like that closely, we're just never going to get it you know new stories and we'll never be happy with that kind of thing like i i'm not too much of a stickler for it unless they like deviate completely off of it like if we go off the road with it i have a problem with it sure but um i don't think anything on this show necessarily deviated from it on the contrary i think we kind of fulfilled that whole the line from return of the jedi when vader told luke like oh obi-wan also thought he could turn me at one point i'm i'm like paraphrasing that <laughs> i don't think that's exactly yeah. what he said but um but this kind of gave us that an explanation for that and they 
again, they also like Vader at no point says, oh, it's been X amount of years since I've seen my master. So you can build up another fight. It's just that my fear with this is like I if they do it, I feel like they can only stop. I can only stomach it one more time because uh, after that, it's, it just becomes oversaturated. But they need to treat it and tread lightly if they if they're going that route, because um, this was just like the best way to, you know, wrap it up. I, yeah, I think that's the challenge with how they ended it is I think personally, I think the continuity aspect is like as good as you could have asked for with getting the show that you got and some of the moments that you got. Like if you wanted these big confrontations between Obi-Wan and Vader and you're throwing Luke and Leia in there, like some of these huge characters that have like, obviously they're the whole next three movies. If you, I, I thought every, I mean, outside of like a line here or there that might be like a little confusing. Like it's not like you retconned anybody like back to, you know, dying or, or alive or like you, so you, you wrote a character in or out of the, this show. Like it, there's no reason that anybody should to me be, you know, overly confused about where, how things got to a certain place. Like I, I really, I, I thought the argument that like there's continuity problems is overblown because th- to me, there's really not that many. I mean, other than like specific lines of dialogue, but like if you, if we're like holding all these lines of dialogue as sacred, like then the sand line in attack of the clones is sacred. <laughs> Some of like the Senate meeting lines, like all these lines that like people like rail on for the future, like we're going to hold them to a certain standard and like, then like scream continuity. I don't know. I, to me, it just is like, if you want the fun of it, you have to sacrifice a tiny bit of this. And I agree. Like everybody's yeah. in the right place at the end of this. So if you open up the door again with a season two, I don't know, man. It's <laughs> we got to shut that door just the right way again. Like yeah, and, you, and it's it gets harder to do the more you do it. Yeah, you got to you got to tiptoe your way out, like <laughs> lightly <laughs> close the door again. Like it's it it just doesn't seem. I don't know how they do a season two of this. As much as I want to see more Obi-Wan, the character, everything else in, would seemingly pale in comparison to the confrontations that we got or we've had with him so far. I think maybe the route to take if they want to do something similar. But I guess the trick is like if they want to do season two, it means they want to work with Ewan McGregor again. And I feel like the best way to do that is to maybe even do like something in the Clone Wars, but live action. Because he's still around that age where he could pull it off without too much, you know, interference yeah. on the aging and all that. I do want them to stick with Hayden Christensen, though, because clearly we want to keep playing in this era. If they want to do a Vader spinoff show, I feel like that's the best way to take it. Um, like, show us more of him and the Inquisitors. Show us how he bullies them, because he, he clearly, like... <laughs> It's like the popular crowd there. Like he, he he doesn't really respect these people at all. It's it and it and it's another thing that I think the show nailed is like he has so much like power, sway, and control of every situation except for Obi Wan. <laughs> like except for his yeah. like Achilles heels in these movies, right? And even to like, you know, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, it's the same thing. Like he he is so domineering in every situation, every person, their thoughts don't like they don't matter. And ultimately, like whatever they think, like even if they're trying to undermine him, he always has control except for like these couple people who just 
you know, in, in the case of Luke, it's obviously blood. And in the case of Obi-Wan, it's almost the same thing. I mean, it's basically brother. And it's it's just fun to watch him like flip flop and they do it well from like, man, this guy is all powerful. How can anybody do it? And then they show like the emotional cracks that, you know, Obi-Wan gets in there and just, I'm talking about the same things again, but it it was that good. (laughs) I mean, it's just so much fun to watch that. Like I, I watched that same sequence, the first half of the episode, like three or four times. It's so much fun. I rewatched this last episode a couple of times just for that fight alone too. But <laughs> the other thing too is like I think um, you know for anyone who's seen Rebels too, like when because Vader has a fight with Ahsoka, which is like continuity-wise five years after this point. Okay. She also manages to tear off the left side of the helmet. Obi Wan tears off the right side of the helmet. And like it's interesting to me because like it's not until Return of the Jedi that it's Luke that technically you know takes the helmet completely <laughs> off of him. Yeah. So it's just like those visual cues too are are, are kind of cool and neat to kind of look at because you can tell that they are paying attention to these kinds of details. Um, which again, not to keep harping on it, but again, like if they are paying this much attention, like maybe fine tooth this a little bit more or fine tune it before it gets uh you know especially the story because i feel like th- there's just stuff where um i don't think they've gotten the hang of plotting things out the way a show should be they still try to make these like extended movies and i think it does a disservice yeah. to the overall enjoyment sometimes um we need more pacing like miss marvel is basically what i'm trying to say <laughs> One, unless you have any other big thoughts on like characters or moments, one thing, one question I had after all this for you is, well, I guess twofold question is, one, where do you place this whole show in your hierarchy of Star Wars as a whole? And two, if the Vader Obi-Wan second confrontation in the show is the peak moment of the show, which I think is safe to say, where does that stack up for you in Star Wars moments on the whole? Oh, jeez. Um, like question hard. at the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, to, to, to be totally honest with you, I feel like um, from, if we're talking about, like, Star Wars contents in general, it's hard for me to, like, put it in, into, like, a list, because mm-hmm. all I know is that there's movies I don't enjoy. <laughs> yeah. You know, how, and, and... How about just the streaming shows? Like if we if we take out like the broader the pre Disney like in the Disney only like Disney Plus shows so not even like Force Awakens Last Jedi. Oh, this is up. This is like top like, three material. Like high higher than both Mandalorian seasons. No, no, I still think Mandalorian season two is like peak Star Wars for me. To be okay. honest with you, I think in terms of like the storytelling and all that. Okay. Um, I think if we're talking about the Disney era, it's it's Mandalorian season two <laughs> at at the top. Uh, okay. Follow. We can like couple it with season one because I feel like it just you know Mandalorian's up at the top. Uh, then it would be uh, it would probably be this show and then Rogue One. I feel like those are my top three of the of the Disney era. Um, I don't hate the sequel trilogy. It's just that I feel like from a storytelling perspective, you can tell how <laughs> Sounds like you hate it. it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree. It's For me, 
uh, I, I think it's it as much as like I have huge problems with pieces of it. To me, it was almost reminiscent of some of the prequels, which I largely enjoy, though I have massive problems with them because they're flawed. Um, (laughs) The highs of these movies, like the, the, like speaking to my twofold question, that like duel with Darth Vader at the end is up there with like my top moments in Star Wars. Number one being their first like Revenge of the Sith duel, I think is just awesome between the choreography and the music and everything is just spectacular even if it's excessive um and then two would be like the rogue one darth vader moment in the hallway you know this is right up there with those where it's just an incredible like you know there's emotion behind it there's spectacle behind it there's like it's fun you can re-watch it and just be like every time you watch it you're like yeah that was this is a moment even the Vader like scene with um, Riva in the episode before was 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 one that I would put up there with almost any you know I mean the Darth Maul fight's another one that comes to mind like I don't know where you are with moments but this show had at least two moments that are in like top five contention of all Star Wars like live action things I've seen. I think the duel definitely is um, for me. I think. I don't know which Star Wars duel I like the most. I feel like if we're talking about like from a like tech, like which is the one that I really, really like to watch and I'll go back and watch it. It's probably, it's either the Duel of the Fates, Phantom Menace, Darth Maul, Kenobi, Qui-Gon fight, or the Revenge of the Sith duel. Um, you know, with respect to the original trilogy, I feel like nothing in the original trilogy compares <laughs> to those. Yeah. Understandably, you know? Yeah, it, they're, they're definitely limited. I mean, the... <laughs> if yeah i'm sure you watched like the those like videos that compare like the two their first two duels to like the spinning <laughs> like <laughs> stick move that um was it alan guinness well they they were saying um i i i, I used to i told them at this also but i i love watching those behind the scenes documentaries they have something called i think uh I forgot what the documentary is called. It's a making of the original trilogy thing, but they talked about how George Lucas in the old movies was basically telling the actors, you have to treat it like, it's, you have to treat the lightsaber like it's Excalibur. Like you need to hold it with two hands. And then in the uh, prequels, it's like you have single handed, you know, like <laughs> they got really acrobatic and stuff. So like, that's yeah. why there's that like meshing of, of different. And I like to, I guess to tie it back to the show, like, uh, the way that this fight played out, it almost felt like a blend of the original trilogy uh, style of fighting and the and the prequels. Because you have that moment where Vader, for the most part, was just using one hand until he realized, like, oh, no, I have to use both hands <laughs> right. for this fight. Uh, which I thought was a very cool, like, visual moment. But, like, it was a nice little blend. And, it, yeah, like, I... Th- this fight, in terms of Star Wars moments overall, to answer your question... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's like it's it's in my top five. I'm not entirely sure where I would put it, but like maybe in like number four, um, just because that Return of the Jedi fight with Luke and Vader, as much as like from a practical standpoint, is not quite as good as as the modern stuff. I still think it it, it packs a really big emotional punch. Yeah, that that one. I mean, come to mention it is underrated, and I think it's. 
Yeah, I, I think that like the comment you made about it blending the two types of like prequel prequel fights versus original versus even if you want to. I know we didn't really mention them, but the the three Disney trilogy it does kind of transition the the style of fighting pretty well, where you go from like this Cirque du Soleil type fights to <laughs> you know medieval sword fighting or medieval long sword fighting basically and i think it's it was fun to watch you know like you mentioned the the one hand to two hands for darth vader like him seemingly realizing like you know this is slipping away a little bit i gotta like get serious and it it kind of blends well with like the timelines even like where they are age-wise to like slowing down and needing maybe more like physical force and like a slower fighting style it's I, I thought it was just they did a really good job with that moment that paid off well even the like the practice duel in episode five the attack of the clones clones flashback that was pretty fun too even though the stakes weren't there there was like that underlying symmetry of like their later fight in revenge of the sith that's kind of fun that flashback also kind of reminded me that even if you go back and rewatch the prequels like from Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, Anakin Skywalker always gave this like like school shooter vibes kind of thing. <laughs> I don't know if he kind of got yeah. that. Yeah, no, for sure. Like when you rewatch those movies, he's like, and I, and I'm gonna say it's like the way he was. I don't know if it if it was that intentional and that on the nose, but he definitely seems like very like disturbed. <laughs> like he, you know, like <laughs> like he'll say things and they're they're almost like seem like they're meant to be funny, but they're not. <laughs> well, and you're like, oof. That's they did scary. uh. I forget what what interview. I think it might have been the Lad Bible interview that they that the uh, Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen did for this show. But there was an interview recently where he he talked about the delivery of 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 his lines in the prequels, and he said that George always wanted him to deliver his lines very stoically, almost like he was very thoughtful as he's like delivering stuff. Like like his mind is somewhere else, like half somewhere else. Okay. So like. All this, all these years, though, like people were criticizing his acting choice. I'm like, <laughs> it seemed like it was like an intentional thing. Then it was a direction. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the Christian Bale Batman voice in, in Dark Knight. <laughs> yeah, you wait. You wanted this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's it, that is interesting because when you watch those, it, it it's very his his lines are just always very off putting. And if I mean, if that's the goal job well done but it is like one of those moments where you're like you know you you don't really want to root for him a lot of times because you're like oh what is what is his what is his angle here this is weird like yeah and and they did you did kind of get a piece of that in the flashback where it's like he says these like loaded lines to obi-wan that like there's like they're dripping with conceit and dripping with like you know other things one one side note is did you you mentioned like everybody everybody bad doesn't die from stab wounds and stuff did you see the meme that's like all these all the bad characters getting stabbed and then coming back to life and then it says padme dies of sad (laughs) (laughs) it has gotten ridiculous though like (laughs) i can't imagine what it's like for the casual star wars fan that went to go see solo and is so confused at the end credit scene where he's like, wait a minute, the guy that got cut in half 10 years ago, how is he still here? Yeah, they, this can't be, did I, what did I miss? Like, did he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, they're definitely playing fast and loose with the physiology of uh, of Star Wars these days. Yeah, I mean, like they kind of try to explain it with the Inquisitor being like, hatred does do whatever wonders for the will to survive. I'm like, sure, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> we'll go with hatred. A lot of hate, or or the Boba Fett, which I I think I told you I've, I'm finally watching the Boba Fett uh, tattoo parlor slash. <laughs> <laughs> the you know the mods and anatomy mod fixer upper slash shop <laughs> yeah that well once they did that i was like oh i get it this makes sense <laughs> <laughs> that in the back to tank as long as you have a back to tank close by oh, you don't good. need to worry everything's it's a flesh good. wound it's, it doesn't matter oh back oh i got a back to tank i, I can get shot in the head it's no problem <laughs> <laughs> I would look for a portable back to tank. I feel like that would be my thing in the Star Wars universe. Like, I, forget affordable healthcare. <laughs> Get me one of those back to tanks. I hope we're working on affordable back to tanks. You know, right? in our country, because it clearly we would solve all our problems. I mean, uh, it grows grows back Boba's eyebrows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I clung on to that so much in that one. I think the first episode I told Emmett, I was like, I can't, that, that's some powerful stuff. It gave my boy back his eyebrows. <laughs> when, when I could, when I watched the show, I could only think of your comment on that. And I was like, boy, it's like, I can't, I can only see that in this episode. This is the wrong thing to be focusing on. <laughs> um, do you have anything else on this show or future? Honestly, no. I think, um, that that that's about all my thoughts. I, you know, overall, I, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good addition to to the Star Wars lore slash canon slash whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um. I you know, they they've they've been talking about a season two, and that's why I brought it up in our in our conversation because I think uh, they did an interview with Kathleen Kennedy, the president of Lucasfilm, and she's like, well, if the fans want a season two, we'll you know we'll think about getting them a season two. And I'm like, whereas before she was like, no, this is a one and done deal. Um, if they, I'm torn. Uh, like on on one hand, I would love to see Ewan McGregor back as Obi Wan. I, I feel like I can't get enough of him. At the same time, if they if they do it and they go this route and it's a sequel to this show, they have to be very careful about putting things back in the way that they left things off at this season, because otherwise, you know, it's you know you're playing with fire a little bit here. <laughs> yeah, I I think, I mean. And coming from the opinion that doesn't matter, your comment about like maybe exploring like in Star Wars tradition going into prequels <laughs> and yeah. going back into the Clone Wars. If I mean the D, did they even de-age Hayden Christensen? I don't know. It looked it looked it looked good in that episode. I don't know. I I, I wasn't sure, but basically with what they do with de-aging and everything now, I think you could easily do a whole you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi series from the Clone Wars and, and kind of get into other arcs that would be kind of fun to tell as opposed to like trying to trying to like stitch together all these loose threads again if you open the door again uh, you open the door on a season two of this. So um as much as I want more Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan, I don't need more if it means a sequel of this show. Yeah, I, I think they got to tread very lightly with it. I, I hear we're getting more Hayden Christensen on the Ahsoka series. So maybe that's where we see more Ewan McGregor, too, like as a flashback. 
Yeah, that makes sense. It makes sense to go back and revisit. But to answer your question, they didn't de-age them. I noticed straight away uh, on my 4K TV. (laughs) They didn't? They did not? They did not. You can see the receding hairline on Ewan McGregor and the wrinkles on on Hayden Christensen's face. Oh, okay. It was was pretty good because, I I mean, me not scrutinizing it too much, I was like, oh, you know, it looks close to the same. I was, you know, I wasn't going to, like, be like, all right, he's, like, definitely 20 years older. I mean, obviously, he looks a little older, but it's not like it wasn't glaring in a way that, you know, it could have been like, uh, who is it, General Tarkin in Rogue One, where it's like, mm, <laughs> yeah, something's not quite right. I'm glad. And, and even if they did, they, they could have used the Luke tech from from the from Boba Fett. Or have you gotten to have I spoiled something for you on that yet? Oh, uh, I mean, I know he's in the show. I haven't, I haven't seen that episode yet. I just saw the first one with the Mandalorian getting the, the Naboo starfighter. When but... you get to that episode, the they really, really have improved their like deep fake okay. technology with it. Because like it took me a minute to realize that it's it's not archival footage. They're like they really <laughs> CG'd this guy much better than the end of season two of Mando. That's pretty promising. I think. Like, my only other thought on the show, not that I need to have any more because I feel like I talked it to death too much, sorry, um, is the comment you made about more Vader and more like Hayden Christensen as Vader in whatever capacity. Like, I think that's where there's real estate for a show like this. I mean, I could I could be interested in seeing Vader's like escapades that don't relate to Obi-Wan in the time between now and A New Hope. I could see flashbacks i would enjoy that i would i would enjoy him through the lens of the ahsoka series i could the vader elements are where it seems like there's plenty to do in my mind granted i'm not a star wars like super fan so i don't know if that story's been told well in other venues whether it's comics or you know other shows but that seems to me like the most logical choice to continue this you know iteration because there's he's just a fun character and his like presence as we talked about is fun yeah no definitely yeah i i hope i hope they come back in some capacity whether it's flashback or something like and if it's a sequel like i said they need to tread lightly on it um but yeah i'm I'm excited as to where this kind of leaves us i feel like it's been a good addition and you know we're definitely not starving for star wars content because there's a lot (laughs) coming out right now Get ready for a 13 episode Andor series. This, this is this it summer. 13? It's 13, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna watch it just to support my boy Diego Luna, you know. <laughs> but I I will definitely give that one a chance. I just have to. I gotta finish Boba. <laughs> <laughs> I th- I think uh, you know. Boba has his moments. I think you'll you'll enjoy those last two episodes, especially. From what I understand, I've gotten through the hard part of Boba, so hopefully it's all downhill from here. I got got past the Vespas, so I think I'm okay. (laughs) Okay, good. Good. (laughs) That's the worst. You've you've, you've seen the most traumatizing stuff of that show already. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's good, I guess, right? Yeah, that about wraps us up. Um, This is why I normally plug our social media handle. (laughs) <laughs> but there's not much going on there right now so <laughs> you know we'll we'll be back with an opinion on something there's a lot of stuff coming back uh or coming uh, to, to the forefront so yeah. um yeah four four Thanks. next week yeah <laughs>
Oh my god, yeah, Thor's next week. Yeah. That might be the next thing. I don't know. We'll see. There's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot coming. <laughs> well, for anyone that's stuck around this long, <laughs> thanks for listening. <laughs>